Today's episode of the show is brought to you by our friends at Bandzoogle. Bandzoogle is built by musicians for musicians. It's an all-in-one platform that makes it easy to build a beautiful website and EPK for your music. Uh, I would know I'm working on a, a site over at Bandzoogle as well right now, and it's really easy to make, and you can get everything uh, up and running pretty quickly from hosting a custom domain name. Uh, you got dozens of fully customizable design templates and tools to sell your music and merch commission-free, which we love to hear as musicians. Uh, there's commission-free crowdfunding, fan subscription features, mailing list tools to grow your audience, social media integration, and live support from their musician-friendly team seven days a week. So if you want to support the show, and if you want to help yourself while you're at it, direct support podcast listeners can go to bandzoogle.com. You can try it free for 30 days and use the promo code direct support, all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. That's bandzoogle.com, promo code direct support. Bandzoogle. What's up, y'all? It's your boy, Peter. Welcome back to Direct Support. I don't know if I'm your boy. Uh, you might have a different boy, and uh, and I'm not even the boy you subscribe to. And if that's the case, I appreciate you being here at Direct Support, um, spending time away from said boy and more time here. I don't know what that was, but I do know that I am very excited to have my guest Today I got Steven Gomez from the band Twin XL, formerly of the band The Somerset. He's an awesome musician. He's a great producer. He and I have worked together for a long time now. He produced most of the songs that are released under my band, Arms Akimbo, and uh, him and his brother John and myself have also been working uh, on some other music, which is really exciting. Um, but he's a great friend and also somebody that uh, I was super excited to talk to because we were buddies d- during the whole formation of this band uh, that he's in Twin XL, as well as like him, you know, kind of wrapping things up with uh, the Somerset too. So that was such a like we we were around, but it was nice to talk to him about that now with a little bit of perspective. And yeah, I've just learned so much from him about uh, making records. And one of the things I really love about both him and John is how decisive they are, and how you know we talk about it in here, but just how once you want, once you find the right vibe to just pursue that and not think too much about it, but just try to capture something and, and put it out. Cause you know, people can get stalled on so many different things, uh, making music and being creative. And I just love how decisive he is. It's a really good way to work. Steven's band twin XL has just released a new single called problematic. And I implore that you watch the music video cause the song is fantastic and the video is really cool. The visuals work super well with it and it's a pretty quick, and uh and small video but the visuals are just gorgeous and and it's super fun so um i'll put that in the in the description of this episode yeah you'll be able to find that and if you're looking at the description and linking it out you might as well go ahead and give us a five-star rating uh subscribe to the podcast share it with a friend or leave a review i would appreciate it so much i will give you a shout out next show if that's the case oh yeah i'm talking to you through a new microphone uh, I got it for myself for my birthday. It was my present. I got an SM7B so we can have some smooth mic talking, and I wanted a new toy to play with and, and make some demos with and stuff. So that's it. Enjoy Problematic by Twin XL and my conversation with Steven.
Yeah, it sounds great. As long as you're good, we're I'm good. chilling. I'm like terrified of, of of video chats for some reason. I don't know why. I don't necessarily blame you. I think for me, it's like the only connection I'm getting in general. But yeah, I feel that. Like I don't know what it is though. Like even like FaceTime. Like I don't even like to do. Like I know it's maybe technically a, like a more personal way to like talk to someone than a phone call but like i'm old school and i would much rather have a phone call i don't know i don't know why there's a disconnect like i'm a terrible millennial i think that okay i like to pace when i talk on the phone and there's no i'm not gonna pace when i'm on facetime yeah i think if you do you just look like a psycho yeah you look (laughs) crazy but like they literally say like if your feet are moving the blood's flowing and you'll think better so like when i'm on the phone i like to do that i think that's true i'm yeah i'm a chronic pacer when it comes to phone calls as well so perhaps that's stunting. Maybe I should be doing all these episodes <laughs> with a mobile microphone. <laughs> uh, lose some sound quality, but I don't know. Yeah. Maybe the conversation would be a little more. Hip. I don't know if that. I don't know if that trade-off's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's up, dude? How is uh, how is the uh, airport? Uh, it was, dude. It was super dead. Really? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think a lot of people are still traveling as much. You know, I'm I, shocked I, that. Where's John going? He's going back to LA. Oh, okay. Is he is he moving back here? He's been no, he he he's he never he never left. He's been he just came out here to do this record and then he came out here to Arizona um just when like all the stuff went down with the pandemic. Right. 
I think we kind of talked about that too, but like we didn't know if shit was going to get like really bad in LA, you yeah. know, just because it's a big city. And it and has so been. That, yeah. And so like we left and uh, he went back and now, you know, he's going to be back for a while. But we, we were just producing an album for the past like, like three weeks or so, so. How's it going? How's the record? It's good. It's cool. Um, it's like a, it's like a cool, like, like poppy, but like dark, like rocking thing i don't know it's like it's like like jimmy Eat world choruses but like mo- like super modern like pop like dark pop um verses so that's it's like kind of like programmy and then like so just like full kit and stuff and like yeah rock. i feel like that's kind of a perfect uh thing for you guys to be working on right now yeah dude it was really fun it came pretty naturally as well um like i finally got to like flex that like um that like kind of like big like rock guitar sound chorus like like thing because like i feel like like with twin xl like it's pretty like small amp like spring reverb yeah like, totally guitar. and like even with you guys it was like combo amps yeah exactly clean bones, you know like some, some verby stuff and this is the first time i got to just be like fucking power chords through like a marshall like drop fucking c on some songs like <laughs> chugging along it was it was like cool because I, I never get to do that yeah when when the fuck do you get to do that that's the best uh <laughs> also in in like the twin xl stuff it's like even when it gets like dirty and grungy there's still like a brightness to it you know maybe it's like uh, a lot of the leads that i think that john likes to write to tend to be like like pretty high up you know what i mean so it'll get like counteracted with like cool like really deep like drum fills and tom stuff but i don't know if it ever gets super grungy yeah it never really gets like it never really gets too and especially like never gets like too like bar cordy you know like definitely not always like it's a lot of like single note stuff like picking out single notes and and that kind of thing but it was fun to like dial in tones and stuff before the record like one it was fun to get a kit together for like the chorus stuff because i just went like like i just want i just kind of made like samples of like my dream like like rock drum kit um uh-huh. which was cool, like just big sounding and then like dialing in guitars was just like i would just like put on bleed american and just like try to get like those like really thick like just meaty you know like power chord rock tones dude the best for salt sweat shit i love that yeah. record so much man <laughs> we had drum day we did drums the other day and i was like like one of very few songs i know how to play on drums <laughs> and i was like <laughs> i'm gonna take advantage i never get to do this so i like had a little drum moment yeah dude i i'm i mean i'm obsessed with it. every single chance i get if there's a water break for our band practices i don't leave i stay in the room and i play matt's drums until they get back and get mad at me <laughs> oh yeah dude I, I used to um i used to check jess's like in the Somerset days i used to check her drum kick she never wanted to and like mm-hmm. she also kind of wanted to hear what it sounded like in the room too and which was like a win for me because I would just sit behind the kit and like just get to like just jam out for a bit. I'm not I'm like not a good drummer. Like I'm like pretty like not good. But <laughs> but but it's still you know it's fun. It's fun to just like it's fun like when you do something that's not what you normally do. Well, especially on yeah, and especially on drums. I don't think anybody's ever being like, oh yes, the keys are open. <laughs> no, oh yeah, 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 I get I can go play like yeah <laughs> like. <laughs> heart and soul on piano or some something something awful <laughs> yeah um how have you been i gotta say you were like the first person to hit me up and be like hey i need to stay busy or i'm gonna go insane i feel like that was like a level of maturity that everybody else took like a month longer than you to realize i you know that's funny like i, I when i go back to mid-march 
I think about how a lot of like the jokes around it were kind of people just being like, like nothing matters, like like let's just drink all the time, you know, and just get like fucked up through the pandemic. And I think maybe some of that was people thinking that it was going to be shorter than it was. Like it was going to come and go in like a month. So they're like, oh, this is like a nice little sabbatical. And like from the beginning, I've very much been in the mindset of like, this is not, um, this is not going to be something that goes away yeah. very quickly. And like, I need to treat this as not as like a party, but as like a time to like get work done, stay busy. Because if I feel like if you don't, um, you know, um, y- you'll just kind of lose it. Um, but there, there's also that fine line of, of like being busy just to be busy, you know, because you need time to like relax and stuff too. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. And then also once you're like, once your house becomes everything, you know what I mean? Like a workspace and a sleeping place and a hanging out space. You're just like, Oh, I'm going to lose my mind. If I'm like doing either thing, if I'm either doing nothing or if I'm like driving myself to the ground, you know? Yeah, you no, know, it's super tough. You're right, and and I feel like like at least from personal experience, I've tried to like, <laughs> like, like change it up. Like tonight, I'm gonna watch TV in my bedroom. Yeah. And tomorrow, I'm gonna watch TV in my living room, <laughs> and tonight, I'm gonna go sit on the on the patio. Yeah. Just just for like the littlest change of it change in perspective. I mean, that is, and that's a very minimal change, very minimal change in perspective. No, but I think that just shows how seriously you're taking it. Cause you're going like, Oh, I'm going to last this. Like I'm going to mentally, you know, sh- make a big deal out of like small rituals. I, I've kind of always been a fan of, of that notion anyway. Yeah. I think, no, I think like, especially like now, now more than ever, it's important to break away from any kind of monotony. Um, because dude, like, I think you'll just kind of lose it. It, you know, if it's like it, if it's like Groundhog's Day, you know, yeah. and it kind of, it kind of inevitably is Groundhog's Day, but like, that's like what you were saying, like the littlest like change up in, especially in this time can sometimes make the world of difference. Yeah. Are you finding yourself to be like feeling creative? Cause I know that like, so you guys hit me up and you're like, let's make something. So when I was like jumping back and forth at the very beginning, I think I might've drilled myself too much cause we were doing stuff for the band and then we were yeah. making that EP and then I was trying to write and then I was like, why am I trying to do all this? Like we got nothing going on. And like currently I feel, I'm feeling a little bit like creatively sapped, but. but Yeah, dude, I can totally relate to that. I think, I think at the beginning I had, I had probably a pretty similar mindset to what you're describing where I was like, kind of came out swinging. Like I'm just going to take this time to just do like everything. Like I'm just going to do, just get so much shit done, be super productive and like, I was like that, I think for like the you know second half of March, April and like May. And then I got towards the end of May and I was just kind of like, I was like, I just need to like, like I want to like work at like a reasonable pace and get stuff done, but I'm not going to like, I'm not going to like go at this like breakneck, you know, pace. I'm just going to yeah. kind of like let it come to me. And that's kind of like the the place where I'm at right now where like, as far as like, you're just getting things done i'm kind of just like waking up like you know at normal time like but not stressing too much like getting to work you know if if i hit like a like a corner or like like i hit like a dead end working uh i'll just step away and like i'll like go to the grocery store or i'll just watch tv for a bit until i feel like like ready to come back to it i feel like that's the dream because that's what you want your life to look like when you do have the option to go to a show at night or you know go to the movies instead of watching a movie in your house like hopefully we can be like that all the time 
I know. And I think, I think that's like a positive thing about this is, 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 is exactly what you said. Like, like that's the dream for, you know, not even when you're in the middle of a global <laughs> pandemic. Um, so how, you know, not how, I guess it's not so much a question of how do you, um, do that you just kind of you just keep you just do it you know yeah um and so i think that's something like positive that's come from you know such a tumultuous and strange time in human history for me personally (laughs) yeah but Um, and you also went through a change at the same time because you were planning on moving back to to arizona anyway yeah yeah i was and um i I moved back a bit early because like we said earlier why stay it started hitting the fan. I was like, I do not want to be in a studio apartment yeah. in LA. Oh my god! With my dog with like no like contact with the outside world, and so yeah, the second that like like uh, like Governor Newsom was like, we're going to lockdown. I ordered a U-Haul for the next day, <laughs> and like it was like a month before I was supposed to leave. Anyways, yeah, it wasn't like it wasn't like that long before, but it was it was it felt a little bit. It was very sudden, and um, I actually came back to LA. Um, I guess it was probably a month ago at this point oh, really? um, to a video for Twin XL. I was only back for a couple of days, but it was interesting because it was, I, I was, I felt like I didn't really get a chance to like say goodbye to LA. Not like, not like I'm never going to go to LA again. I'll, right. you know, pretty often at least like once the world comes back to normal. Um, but like coming in, like driving in, I almost felt like I was saying goodbye. It was a weird emotion of like, I don't know, just a, it was just a weird feeling, like driving back and feeling like I was saying bye. Strange. Well, I think it's like a, I don't know, a single person who lives here and doesn't have a bittersweet relationship with it, you know? And I also think that, you know, you were somebody who you, you've always been like, oh yeah, I love Arizona. And like the parts of LA, I like the best of the Valley because it's hot and it reminds me of home, right? Uh, yeah, 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 not wrong there. But like you got, you know, a band here. And I think you have like one of the rare situations where like everybody thinks you need to live in LA or New York to make, to like be a musician. You have kind of like found a way to have what you like thrive in. Yeah. And and also like one leg here because, you know, obviously if your brother and Cameron are both here, the band's going to be based here. I think, I think like geography is just in my favor in that like I grew up in Arizona and that it is only, you know, a six hour drive from LA mm-hmm. if, if I grew up in Omaha Nebraska it would not be the same it, I think it'd be a lot harder to because because you know like like I was saying earlier you know once the world kind of comes back to normal I'll, I'll probably be out in LA for like a week to you know two weeks every month um, doing stuff but I am thankful that I grew up in a, a, a city that is close in proximity to LA and not that you like, not that I'm not saying like that you need to be in LA to like, to, to work in, in music. I think, I think now more than ever, we can, especially with the pandemic has really showed us how, how you can be with people who you're not even in the same room with. That's a whole other topic. Yeah. Um, but I think, yeah, I think, I think there is like, there is something about needing to be in like New York or LA for certain things, but then there are other like parts of it that I think you can you know, get out and work wherever you feel comfortable. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you know, I feel the exact same way. I have it even easier with San Diego and home for me, like feels like a vacation place regardless. And, um, and I had like no appreciation for it until I moved to LA. And then I really 
realize how lucky I was, which sounds crazy probably to anybody who doesn't, you know, who isn't from Southern California and romanticizes it. Yeah, I had a similar experience. I, I think a lot of people romanticize LA and I, I never really did. I don't um, think you did. You, you've always been pretty dry about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I never really did. But but I knew that it was it was a place that I needed to move to work. And I'm super glad that I did. And, you know, I'll still have a presence there. But yeah. I, it got to a point where I was just like, oh, I don't. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I also think you like, you come out and you come here and you make the connections. And once you have the connections, like you and John have a reputation, like, like you, everybody who works with you only speaks the highest of you guys. And like, I've worked with you and I know how, like, I love working with you, but I also really liked seeing what it was like to work with both of you together. Yeah, and like, yeah. once you establish a relationship like that, you can be fucking wherever, you know, we did like FaceTime for our first session and then. You guys yeah. have probably been doing that this whole time. Yeah, we have been doing a lot of it. And like that goes back to the whole thing that's so interesting with this pandemic and music in general is I actually think it's going to be a really positive thing in that we as musicians and collaborators have set these geographic boundaries on like, well, if this person's not in the same city that I'm in, then we can't write a song together. Right. And it's kind of like, I feel like because people have been forced to do this, it's kind of like, you know, like, oh, like I have a, a good friend that I would love to write with who lives in, in Nashville. Yeah. Oh, well, they're not going to be out here, you know, until, you know, February. And then we got to try to get in their schedule and they're going to be working with other people too. And now it's just kind of like, just write with them next week. You have an internet connection. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what you need. And it's, it, it, it has its own set of challenges for sure. But like, it's to my perspective, it's like, well, it's better to work with someone that you love working with than to not work with them at all. Yeah. And and we also found some other funny hacks where it was like, okay, we, you like I could track banjo and vocals while you guys could track guitar and bass. And yeah. like we actually cut down on like two hours of bullshit, you know? Yeah. Like it has its advantages. It has its disadvantages. But I mean, I think that's like, I don't know. I think that's like everything in the creative process, you know? Yeah. Well, I want to step back to to what I was also saying about you guys, you and John working together. Um, I can't, we can talk about that after. Actually, I want to talk about like us first meeting, maybe. Because oh yeah, <laughs> I've known you. If anybody wants to hear Steven's work, by the way, just listen to any of our songs except for our last single because he produced all of it. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of stuff with you guys. Always, always really fun. And um, and uh, you might know Steven from. Initially, the Somerset and now Twin XL, um, but we met because we had mutual friends in uh, Arlington slash False Puppet. I think they might have gone back to their old name. And, yeah, they did the False Puppet again. Yeah, um, but yeah, we I don't know. We worked together and uh, like immediately had a really nice uh, relationship with you. It felt it felt you know pretty pretty easy. But also, you like taught us a lot about like not needing to spend a million dollars to go to a fucking crazy studio to track something nice in your house, you know? Yeah. I think, I think that's, I think, well, I think for one, just to back out, like right off the bat, like I think we met at like a, we met at a sushi place. I think Yeah, we went to a sushi. Dude, I was thinking about that too. The other day we went to fucking Venice for sushi. Like what a bunch of idiots. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was good. I don't remember. I mean, I think it was delicious. Yeah. Being on a, like a very, uh, like, like similar page, you know, just kind of being like, yeah like we we know what we're gonna do like this this should be pretty um i don't want to say easy but like it kind of always was pretty pretty easy you know 
I think part of that, well, we went to like, we went to sushi in a place that was far away from both of us <laughs> to get to. Oh, um, I thought it was close to you guys. I had no idea. <laughs> it, it kind it kind of was, but like we, dude, we had no sense of geography because we were going to school in Westchester. Like we were not really in LA. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Meeting up with you was good because, well, first of all, we were super like naive and like wide-eyed and stuff, but it kind of yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, we were, we were like a... Colin was a sophomore in college and the rest of us, me and Matt were juniors. Chris was a senior, but it was like everything we'd done was always like by ourselves. And we like, I don't know. I think we just like didn't have the understanding of like what, I don't know. There's just such a disconnect between like you and a studio until you like work with somebody who helps you understand, like it's actually all accessible. You know what I mean? Yeah, I did it. Especially now more than ever. Um, And I think a lot of it is just trying to keep things simple, Mm -hmm. you know? Uh, not overthinking things, not overcomplicating things. I think um, you can do, you can make really great records with, you know, not not a ton of stuff. Um, and I think that's what's actually really cool about music right now is it's kind of opened up the doors for creativity from kind of like every man, you know? Like, I feel like back in the day, it was like, there's like almost these like gatekeepers. Yeah, that like, totally labels is really what i'm saying is, is labels you know who like had you know like p- would pay you know thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars to get you into this certain studio with this producer to make you know you know a, a record and it's like it's cool that it's not like that yeah and, and and also like some of those records could sound crappy just because an engineer has credits secretly yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's is, still the case, actually. People still do that, but... That is still the case, unfortunately. <laughs> and that's the thing. That, that's actually one of the things that I I think probably told you guys. Yeah. It's not the gear. like It's it's the person like behind it, whether it's like a crazy, insane studio or it's like a laptop with like nothing else. Um, it's like that whole metaphor of like, you know, with like a race car, like it's not the car, it's the driver behind the wheel. Right. And, and that's like kind of been my, like, I don't want to say theory, but like, that's how I feel about, about recording and production is like, like, I think that some of the people who are the best at it could give you like an awesome sounding record with like the most minimal amount of gear. For sure. Uh, and and also like, it's, it's figuring out what, what your strengths are and using them. Cause like you, you know, you, you are similar in that sense where like you're really good at templating and figuring out how to like plug and play stuff like very quickly and we know like when we work with you that it's always good for us to have a lot of reference tracks for guitar because you're super good at emulating um you know tones we have like it's like the downfall like we waste days when we come in and have a guitar part but don't really know what idea we want for it you know what i mean uh, yeah i think yeah and i think a lot of that also like being able to do it quickly is I guess knowing your gear, like knowing your setup and like, like, I don't know, just knowing like, like where to start from. Mm-hmm. And I think some of that, it takes time. Like, I, like it takes like, you know, years of like, of like trial and error, you know, and, and, and finding out, you know, what, what is good and what works. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think, and to go back to this, like, I think also a lot of it is like trying to not overcomplicate it. Yeah. You know? And like, also like, I kind of work in broad strokes in the sense of like, 
I think you can get super obsessed and really zoomed into things. Yes, definitely. I mean, uh, so many people do that in the studio and waste a whole day on like one thing. One tiny thing. It's like, as long as it's capturing like the essence of what we want to do, like it's cool. And totally. like, no one knows that we're trying to like emulate this thing like exactly, but like they, but people can sense like a vibe. And I think as long as the vibe's close, like I think you're good. I don't think like you need to like, you know, <laughs> kill yourself over it. Yeah. And, and like, I think, you know, you taught us a, a simplicity thing. Two things on that. One is like, I remember specifically because the first two songs we did with you were little insensitive in Michigan. And, um, we, we, we learned quickly that we wanted to pre-production stuff really well. Cause I remember the only snag we hit, in two whole songs that are both like, you know, relatively for us, like some of our more successful songs. Um, uh, the only snag we hit, you remember I had like too complicated of a lead part where like the guitar yeah. and the vocal melody clashed and you were just like, can you do like half those notes? <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, and to this day, that might've been like the longest we, we have at together have ever spent on like one writing problem, you know? Yeah. And what was it, an hour maybe? Like, I don't know. It was just like, it's nice to know that like, you know, solutions can be found in simplicity almost always. Oh, dude, yeah, almost always. And there's also like a thing of, of things being like almost like too simple that I think can happen as well. But but I always try to err on the side of like, of simplicity. And like a lot of it comes from the fact that like, I'm like just not like super great with, with, um, with like crazy like composition and mm -hmm. stuff. Like it's not a strength of mine. Right. So I always kind of just like look at things from like the, from like a, a really just like, um, simple perspective. I don't know. I, I don't, do you know what's funny is I don't think we as a band have ever run into the too simple problem ever because we have so much going on. Cause like everybody plays a pretty distinct part. Yeah. But you guys never like, but you guys never struck me as a band that was trying to jam too much in there. That's good. To, you know? That's good to hear. Like, I think some bands like get like really like, like, obsessed with like trying to fill like every space with music and i think you guys actually have always been good at letting things breathe like where they need to breathe um yeah i look back at some of it and i go this is pretty formulaic like i know i'm gonna drop the rhythm guitar in the second verse so we can let that part breathe a little bit and i know that we're gonna sprinkle the lead guitar back in you know what i mean like <laughs> and like sometimes that but like that formula like, starts just like well it fucking works yeah of course <laughs> like it's good you know, and it's a different song. And at the end of the day, like what most listeners are hearing is like the vocal and the lyric and the melody, right. just the like overall like groove and like energy. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, you know, people like us, like, you know, we could listen to a band's record and be like, oh, like they're doing like the same thing. Yeah. But even like, even being aware of that, like it doesn't, if I like the song, it doesn't make me not Yay. like it. Song. Usually, if I'm aware of it, I like it more because I go there like me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, yeah, same. It makes like I find it's like comfort. Like oh, like they're not these like gods that are like just blowing like my mind. <laughs> like, every song's like no, like they just sometimes they just do the same thing because it works, and that's exactly right. what you know exactly what we do too. Yeah, um, and then the other thing I was saying uh, was about Dude, you oh. said something about Michigan earlier. Oh, I missed it. It's gone. It's, it's dissipated from me. Um, yeah, but, uh, you and John working together. So, so obviously you guys have been in two bands now. You guys have done like, I don't know, dozens of records together, whether it's your project or songwriting for somebody else or producing for somebody else. But yeah. Um, 
what, did you, I don't know, how, how did you know, like, was it being in the Somerset and being together for that long that you realized like, oh, we can do this outside of this as well? Were you guys doing it at the same time? It was kind of an accident. We moved to LA in 2014. It was at the end of our, to, at that, well, I guess it ended up being our biggest record cycle in the history of the band. And mm-hmm. we moved there to start working on a fourth record. And I dabbled in production a little bit. I did some of our demos for the third rec- the third Somerset album. Um, but I was like, hey, God, if I were to look back at that stuff, it just sounds like total shit. I, I <laughs> just didn't really know. Like I didn't, I, I knew kind of what I was doing, but like, I, I like, I didn't, you know, not not near as much as I know now. And I'm sure I'll look back at myself now and in six years and, you know, say the same thing. I hope I do. Um, but well, I, keep hearing, I mean, even in the time I've known you, I keep hearing more and more clarity in the stuff you're producing. Uh, that well, awesome to hear. I hope, yeah. <laughs> I hope it keeps getting like that, of, you know. Or at some point, I hope maybe I revert and, and shit starts to sound fucking gnarly again. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I think it's really cool. I mean, some of the stuff that you're doing with Twin XL sounds gnarly. I mean, Messi is like... You can hear all the influences. You can hear that, like the Twenty One Pilots influence. You can hear like the bleacher shit and like the all the panning of the drums and the bridge is so cool. Um, and I think I don't know. I don't know if those are choices you would have made forever, or if that's just like the alchemy of the three of you guys together. I think it's yeah. I think it's well. I think it's a little of both. I think um, I, I like like as far as like like an example of the panning like mm-hmm. that. I totally, totally. If you listen to a song called, I think it's I believe in Symmetry by Bright Eyes. They have a build that's like super fucking similar and there's like drum fills and they're panning like in each year. And I, I was like, I was like, you know what? I love that Brides record. And, and you know what? Like, why not just do the same thing that they did? Like if <laughs> yeah. I like it, other people should like it too. Yeah, of course. And I think that's like kind of a thing at, when I was younger that I was afraid of is like, I thought like maybe stuff like that, that I knew was a little bit like trickier, or like different like it would go over people's heads. But that's something I think over the years I've been like, just kind of put aside and been like, if I like it, like other people will like it too. So just- Well, and that's the same as you saying, like the labels are the gatekeepers and now it's like democratic and it's in our hands. That means everybody has, you know, the ability to like really access some shit. And I think that's why like pop music has gotten so comparatively avant-garde over the past decade, I would say about 15 years. No, dude, it really has. Like, I think if you go back to like, just like, if we're just talking like straight down the middle pop, yeah, um, of like two thousand, like and like end of end of the two thousands, like early two thousand tens, it was all just like four on the floor, like Kesha, like Katy Perry, just like really like the box like, chord shape, yeah, just really, really like really simple stuff. And like, there's some great songs. Like, don't get me wrong, like there's there's some good, you know, there's some good tunes from that era. But it, yeah, it feels like a little formulaic and, and listening to that now, like, I don't think something like that would work now. No, um, I really feel, and especially since like things go through so many like rungs of songwriters now, I guess that's yeah. always been the case, but it really feels like, um, I guess like, is, is it so cliche to say like pop music is more intelligent now, even if it's like intelligent and it's like, in it's like, you know, accessibility I think, I think, I think there are like, I think a lot of it is, I think some of it is still like kind of like whatever, like, don't I, get me I, wrong. I agree. <laughs> yeah, like, but like, there are like, there are, you know, the examples of like, um, you know, if even if you listen to like a Harry Styles record where it's like, dude, this is like, sounds like he's like, like, uh, like stoned in Laurel Canyon in the yeah. 70s, like, but there's like a modernist to it as well. 
for sure. Um, yeah, that's a weird example, but like, no, I think that record got a lot of acclaim because when you like listen to that and you like side by side it with a lot of indie pop bands, you're like, this is not that different. Yeah, it's like a little bit cleaner, but like, yeah, it's like they're kind of like they're probably vibing to some of this similar, like to some similar shit. Yeah, that's why his tiny desk. Well, but that's the thing though is you can still see like I watched his tiny desk and you could still see like it's not in the record, but when you see these people together, you can tell that they don't fit as a band. Like he's the famous person, and then these are a bunch of people <laughs> they plucked for the for the look, you know. And you know, actually, in, like that kind of well, I don't know why this made me think of this, but like I think it happens the other way too. And I'll and I'll use like one of my favorite bands as an example, but like a band who is like legitimately like a band of dudes who've known each other like whole their lives like of their like known each other their whole lives uh like 1975 mm-hmm. they'll produce a song like like uh that song two time from yeah. their third record which like is totally like a pop like like drake like one dance like 100 yeah own beat thing super auto-tuned and it's like that's a band and then they'll go make a song like people that sounds like you know at the drive-in um which is another thing that I think is so cool about music and that and that band specifically that um, and I think also listeners um, is like everyone's kind of listening to everything now. It's yeah. not so like like when I was in high school, it's like I listen to emo, like I listen to classic rock, I listen to like top 40, I listen to hip hop. And I feel like now it's like the the lines are so blurred, which I think is so cool um, that, you know, um, artists kind of have more um can take chances can take more chances and not be like crucified for them yeah i was talking to nick from spill canvas on this show about how uh not only is it like you so specifically listen to emo it gets even more granular and people are like i only listen to post post hardcore and it's like dude (laughs) <laughs> and within like the emo umbrella was like screamo and then like it was like by label it was like victory bands or like like drive-through records bands or like you know i was like a total drive-through records kid like, straight, like right. straight up i had a drive-through records screen name in high school yeah that's it was like uh it was like you realize there's only going to be like a handful of people in the city you live in that even know what you're talking about and you're going to alienate the alienate them even further you know no i don't know like and the funny thing about that was, is like, I feel like I went through that phase for like a, a little bit, but like, it, but in high school, I would still listen to like, you know, like old stuff, like the Beatles and like right. old kinds of like disco records and funk. And I listen to like, you know, like I love like those first Kanye records, you know, now I don't know what the hell's going on with that dude, but yeah, that's um, a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. Um, but yeah, I think I, I always was like, like actually like into a lot of different music, but I didn't like talk about it as much. Because you like, would be crucified for it because it wasn't cool to like accept that. Yeah, like I would be like afraid to like tell like my emo friends that like I, you know, like the new Kanye West record. Or yeah, I don't think I could tell anybody that I loved Ponder Replay by Rihanna until like two years ago. Yeah, yeah. And now like I'm glad that we're at that point. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. And now me and Colin are like, oh yeah, Ponder Replay is actually the sickest Rihanna track. <laughs> so good. Um uh so you were so basically you kind of learned how to produce on that on that fourth record with you guys then. Yeah, it was kind of by accident because we we moved to LA to make a record and we all kind of like I think it was a combination of things like like when you first moved to LA like we I I have a lot of friends there and like it just seems like there's always something to do and oh, it's yeah. really easy to get caught up and like we're going to this bar tonight and we're going to this party tonight and we're 
you know, going to this event thing and you kind of like, it's kind of like a perpetual like hangover where like nothing gets done. <laughs> and there, there was a lot of that when I first moved to LA and, and we kind of like didn't communicate super well. We were all kind of doing our own things. Um, and our singer like was taking like, just was like not feeling the creative process on the record. So um, he took a step away. And, and during that time, you know, after we got over the perpetual hangover, um, my brother and I were like, we like need something to do because all we're doing right now is like going out drinking and like playing video games till three in the morning. So we kind of started to dive into like just getting better at um, producing songs and, and, and the way we really did it was we weren't doing it with any, any, um, with anything specific in mind as far as like, we didn't have a plan to release any of the stuff we were recording. We were almost just recording and writing music just for, for practice. Um, and so like, we started just writing like, just really simple, like hooky, like catchy, like kind of indie pop songs, uh, just the two of us. And, uh, we sent some of them to our management and they were like, Oh, these actually would be really good for like sync music. And we were like, what's that? I don't know. That <laughs> right. Is. Yeah. Music that like, you know, is in like TV shows and commercials and stuff. We're like, Oh, okay, cool. And then, yeah, like we got hooked up with a company called position music um, publishing. And we started doing a lot of sync stuff um, different with different singers and, and different sounds and different projects. And it was a really, really cool way to kind of learn how to work, um in like different styles and just different vibes and it, it kind of like was like a almost like a boot camp and uh you know after kind of like cutting our teeth doing doing that for well, i guess i don't know it must have been like a year trying to you know trying to figure that out uh we ended up producing the 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 fourth somerset album uh which was like the last one that we put out um which was really cool. And it was really, it was like really rewarding um, to like go on tour and like see people like, you know, give a fuck about this record that we. Yeah. Well, my favorite thing that you told me from that era was that you guys went out on that road and you're like, Oh shit. Like we've been doing this long enough that our fans who were teens when they came out to see us are drinking with us now. Right. Yeah. That's definitely something that happened. I'm pretty sure like some girl got alcohol poisoning and like, had it with an ambulance showed up after it was after the show, but like she was drinking at the bar and we're like, Holy shit. Some of such shows are lit now. Yeah. You're like, Oh my God, we have really changed demographics. Haven't we? Oh wait, that's the same person. Yeah. Oh no. She's been here since she was like 14, hopefully not doing the same thing she's doing tonight. I know. Well, you guys have like rabid fans from that band too. I mean, I, we've even gotten the trickle down just from having worked with you. We get some of your, yeah that's super yeah actually you know i saw i got tagged in a post today uh it was like a picture of of it was it was a, it was a twin xl concert but it was like a picture of like someone who who like the, the concert they went to i guess before the world ended and one of them was you guys yeah and one of them i saw that are, and there was some other so i saw i was like oh that's pretty cool yeah there was like 10 pictures and i was like i recognize five or six of those bands <laughs> i think i only like i think it only registered like i probably know more of them but it like right. only you guys and us like i register registered as, as, as realizing who they the were the other thing i looked at on that too this is just funny to me to look at i was like how many of these i could tell how deep into everybody's tour people were by like how many band members were wearing just plain t-shirts versus That's, like actually like trying on your stage outfit <laughs> i see i get to a point where like i'll start off the tour with like like maybe three stage outfits or something and then about halfway through, I just end up wearing the same shirt on stage 
every single day. It's so gross. And I don't watch it. And by the end of the tour, I just throw it away because it's like, I'm never going to. No, you don't want to touch it again? Yeah. That's so funny. Um, yeah, because I saw like it was just it was it would be rare for all four of my band members to be wearing all T-shirts. And I'm thinking about like the date that she must have taken that video. And I was like, oh, that that was the end of the tour. We all just like rolled out of the van and onto the stage, you know, you just you just don't. Yeah, you're just you're not over it. But you're like, I can't do the pageantry of this anymore. It just I just need it a show. And that's that's I can only do so much <laughs> at this point. Yeah, it's funny because I like I like the treating a show like it's like a sacred thing. I really enjoy it, but um, but there's like you know certain like scenes where it's acceptable or like you're supposed to be kind of ratty in a certain vibe, you know. And if you're trying too hard, then you're trying too hard. Like I don't know what it is. There's like some balance of that in everything, but yeah. whatever that is gets thrown out the window by like week three. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just like like. I can't, like I said, like, I can't do anything more than, like, the basic things that are asked of me at this yeah. point. Like, oh, fucking 12 hours. Like, I, I can't, I can't do anything extra. Dude, it's crazy to me to hear uh, you just at constant party and video game mode. Because, like, I kind of, you know, emo dad, the the whole Twitter thing that you coined. And, like, that <laughs> feels so, like, appropriate about you to me, at least. Yeah, you know, I think I, I, I mean, look, I can, I have not so much now because the world does, is, you know, there's nothing to do. Right. I have my time where I, you know, I like to have, I like to have a few drinks and get a little fucked up. But, um, but like, dude, when I was in a band for, like, I was, I started touring when I was like 19, and like, right. it's like, it's like college age, like, and you just act like you're in college. You act like you're in college in every city available. Yeah, exactly, and like it's everyone's Friday night whenever you go through the town. It could be Tuesday right. in Akron, Ohio. And, and that's those people's Friday night. And you make friends in, in cities mm-hmm. and stuff. Every time you yeah. come through, it's just kind of like, oh shit, you're here. Like, let's go fucking, let's go hang. Like, let's go it's close the down the bar. Yeah. And like for a long time, like I, like even when I first moved to LA, I, I kind of like didn't really know any other um, like, way to live other than like oh well it's 6 30 like time to have a beer like and um, what does the city allow you to do but but party you know you can absolutely do it it is like super enabling yeah and you know i i did that like even when i first moved to la and then actually we started like you know producing music um more often and i was like i realized i was like i was like i can't like (laughs) keep like going out till three in the morning and like do this well Um, right yeah, I was probably sometime around when I like about start working with you guys, maybe a little bit before that, mm-hmm. and that that's kind of like what made me like it was just kind of a wake up call, I guess. Yeah, I remember like, a morning or two where John rolled in like super late, and you're like, "Where have you been?" And he's like, "Yep, yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like oh, it still happened every now and then, but I mean, not to the frequency that it used to be." Right. I just you know because you probably would have been out with him had you not been like, "Well, no, I got this band coming tomorrow, and I have to take care of that." Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, I mean, very. It's very, very possible. Um, that's about like yeah. I mean, just like. And didn't you guys know. have like a wild? gorilla manor type house on a record or two or oh, something oh my god yeah yeah we were making our our it was our third album and, and we we convinced the label to rent us a house in tempe which is literally right by arizona state university so if you know anything about arizona state like shit like this summer it was like i don't know maybe three months we had this house 
And like, I feel like I did all four years of college partying in these three months. <laughs> um, it was like a frat house. Like we had a keg in the kitchen. Like we had people over every night. It got to the point where like, we wouldn't even invite people over. People would just show up expecting right. to like be something. And um, we, we didn't get our security deposit back. Um, Oof, we, that's the worst. Dude, it was, it was, I mean, it, it was really fun. Like genuinely, like, I mean, it was actually like a really good time. And it was also nice to come home and like connect with people that we hadn't seen in a long time. Cause we've been on tour for so long. Right. Um, but like, I definitely did some serious lasting damage to my body. <laughs> so but, but it must've been hard to write in that environment. Cause it, like you, you convince a label to be like, Hey, pay for this place. Cause we're going to like be working. And I bet you do that for a little bit. And then it just becomes like, uh, I don't know. I, I just, we live together and like, it's really hard for us to like get actual musical work done. It is because there's like, also like in LA too, like there's always something to do, yeah. you know? And like, we got a little bit done. I think we, like we were supposed to leave there with like 20 demos. I think we had eight. Mm -hmm. I think two of them made the album. Uh, so <laughs> it, it was a thing where we'd be up till, you know, like four or five, six in the morning and wake up around two work for like you know lightly for like three or four hours and then like before we knew it like people were like showing up again and we're like all right i guess we're doing this again right but also like three or four hours for a band is like pretty good if that's happening daily secretly like that's pretty good <laughs> you know it's not bad it's it's, it's bad. good if it's consistent it's bad if it's like uh yeah and it was like kind of consistent like people right. were kind of in and out sometimes mm -hmm. people didn't like oh, i'm not feeling it you know so it wasn't it wasn't as consistent as it could have been. Yeah, I mean, the closest we've ever had to that was, like, the beginning of this quarantine, like, you know, shut down all of our jobs, shut down our tour. We didn't get to go anywhere, and then we were in the house together, but we couldn't really do the stuff that we wanted to do because it's not like we could plug in and stuff. So we just started playing acoustically and getting demos done and then, like, sh making and shipping merch. And oh, yeah. I've, seen, I've seen Chris post about that a good amount. Yeah, but, like, by the end of – I want to say, like, by end of April, the live streams were dying – and everybody kind of needed yeah, to like came up hard with those and then <laughs> dude i mean you know it doesn't matter when i see my favorite bands doing live streams and i don't care you know I fully agree. like it could it could be a one-on-one -on -one, like personal <laughs> concert over a live stream and i'd be like i'm good i'm i'm gonna i'm i'm not gonna maybe that. if i pace <laughs> during the <laughs> And even then, I think I'm okay. Yeah, me too. But like, well, that must have been tough though for for you guys because you were about to go on your first headline tour, which I know is like super is so exciting. Yeah. And to have it pulled out from under you, like, like that sucks. Like, I'm sorry that happened. Like, I, oh, I appreciate it. Uh, I think I have like told the story of it enough for me to be numbed by it because I don't really think about the implication of what that is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, it's a, it's for sure a huge bummer. We're all, we were all bummed about it, but like, you can't, you can't dwell in it too long. You have to just, you know, be like, Hey, we got that far once it'll happen again when this is all over, you know? And it will, I mean, it, it will happen again. Like, you know, it was rough for us too. Cause we just started really touring. Oh yeah. You guys are out with fits, huh? Yeah. And luckily we only had two shows canceled. We almost did oh, the whole one of very few tours that even happened. 2020 like it, it pretty much fully happened um but it's a bummer because we felt like we were getting on a roll with things and you know just to be kind of 
it, it, I think the hardest part about the pandemic is uh, I think in anything in life that seems arduous and, and, and hard, you know, uh, you kind of always know that like, oh, you know, once I get through this like really tough week at, at work or two weeks at work, like there'll be like, there's like light on the other side, you know, right. or if it's like, like a tour, it's like, there's been a pretty rough tour but like there's only a week left and then like I can take some time off and I can breathe for a little bit with this the hardest thing is like we don't know when it's going to be over so it just kind of feels like purgatory and we have no fucking leadership and we have people telling us one thing and then other people telling us another thing and we're like dude what the fuck (laughs) and we're the fucking laughing stock of the world I know it's crazy have been for a while I think (laughs) but even now more so it's actually quantifiable (laughs) yeah exactly in numbers Yeah, like we can like we can quantify how fucking stupid we are now. And before like everyone knew, but now there's like numbers. So <laughs> Yeah, now there's like a ranking system and they go, "Hey, look at the places that are the worst." Uh and yeah, California yeah. just became the worst state. Fuck. Wait, worse than Florida? That that no Appar- way. Apparently so. Oh shit. Dude, I know that that's embarrassing. I mean, Florida will no doubt take take the lead again at some point just because it's florida no i know it's feeling great to be like hey desantis has us covered at least but nope we're fine. i mean arizona was the worst i think maybe like three weeks ago or so like we had like the most like per capita cases now i think we've kind of leveled out a bit but it's still not great yeah well okay let me let me talk through a couple somerset things because i do want to talk about twin excel uh but um so on my end, I knew about you guys before I knew you, uh, almost entirely because of that Ursher cover. Oh uh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny to put like friends to it later in life. You know what I mean? Yeah, oh, for sure. But those like that whole, it was just such a thing that whole era, like late two thousands, uh, punk goes pop and punk goes everything and warp tour. All that felt so, um, uh, like immersive if you cared about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, yeah, no, I totally agree. Especially like being on the end of it, like of being in a, in a band and, and like in that scene, it felt very, um, yeah, I guess immersive is a good word for it. Cause like, you know, I was obsessed with it, but I only had a handful of friends who, who were there with me. Like, I really feel like it makes you super close to, you know, I would have like, there was like this, you know, these two scene ish girls in like my math class and, I felt like we ha- we had something in common, even though we never hung out. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean it's just nice to you know you you live in these like kind of like this like microcosm of loving the same you know artists and bands and stuff, and like the vast majority of people around you have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. So like when you find someone that really really fucking <laughs> loves the same shit you do, you're just like, finally like someone who gets it. Yeah, and, it's like, a shorthand, right? Yeah, and it and it feels so nice. It feels so good to talk about. It's like, and it's almost like even more exciting to, to like to talk talk about than anything else because it's such a rare, like it's so rare to find someone that like you know loves the same stuff that you do. I also miss being that blown away by music too. I miss being like, oh my god, this song changed my life. Like I hear a new Manchester Orchestra song and I'm like, you know, absolutely thrown by it. I don't know if I've had that feeling in a long time. I it's it's like it's very very few and far between for me now which sounds really sad i find enjoyment in music in different ways now i I constantly find myself kind of being really 
analytical you know, I, maybe analytical is not the right word, but I, I pick music apart more now than I used to because I have a better grasp of how it's made. So kind of when I'm listening to a song, always I'm kind of like thinking like, how did they like get that sound? Yeah, it's almost you know, studious like, now. It's not, it's not like, uh, it's not joy anymore. And like, that's like why like some of my favorite music still to this day is stuff like, like, like Bright Eyes and like, you know, Connor Oberson and Damien Rice and, um, you know, Ryan Adams, even though he's psycho, but I yeah. still love music um that stuff there's not much production value to it it's kind of just like this is what a drum kit sounds like this is what an acoustic guitar sounds like you know like the vocals very just like straightforward like maybe just a little reverb on it and like that's it and that stuff i i still because it's so like just like raw and I'm, i don't find myself questioning like oh how'd they get that drum sound it's kind of like it's always been some of my favorite music but uh, it's, I guess it's as easier for me to listen to. I think it turns off that in- analytical part, you know? Yeah. And I'm just listening for like the song. You, you know, it's funny though, is cause I think I might find myself analyzing that stuff more because I'm less interested in the layers and I'm more interested in somebody's turn of phrase, you know, as a, as a lyricist in general. Yeah. Oh, I think that might be like a little bit of the difference between you and I is I'm not like much of a, a songwriter, even though like some of my favorite artists are like these prolific songwriters. Right. I self. I'm I'm not. I just I don't know. I just it's not like something I've ever really taken time to get good at or even like really cared to. Um, <laughs> yeah. So like that makes sense that 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 stuff for you, especially someone like like a Connor Oberst who's like lyrically very insane. Yeah, like a very very in- intelligent uh, lyricist. And also uh, like spans like hasn't gotten any worse. Like how's it still so good? cool like i it's dig cool. it and i like the production on on the love it too actually some of that's there's actually been some of that stuff where i found myself thinking about how they made it i was like no don't do that like <laughs> <laughs> now i'm thinking about like how you made like this like narrow of like this bass sound on, like you guys were my last vestige <laughs> yeah like, damn it connor just like put out a motto this morning but actually ironically enough one of my favorite records as far as production goes uh is a bride's record is, is a motto or i'm sorry is digital ash and digital urn because mm-hmm. that record is crazy. Like, there's like two drum kits in both ears at the same time. Like, one we playing a fill, one's holding the backbeat. Right. Uh, it was really cool, like programming and shit. And like that to me is like one of I think my favorite albums of all time, top five for sure. Because it brings together like just such, such like just poignant and you know intelligent songwriting. Uh, especially lyrically and then like really cool production and like he's never really done anything that i think pushes the envelope as much as that record but i would love to hear him i would love to hear his take on like a modern like production Um, i'm realizing this must have been insane for you but i'm sure you listened to matt healy and connor do that podcast together right i started listening to it and then something i don't remember i got pulled away from it and i never went back to it but i I need to i'm shocked Um, you weren't the one if it dropped at midnight listening at 12 (laughs) i listened to it like i I did listen i did start listening to it like the day that it came out but i i stopped like halfway through so i'm about i'm about halfway through it i just need to pick it up again yeah for Uh, sure but like i really did enjoy the exchange between the two of them because they seem to really respect each other i felt i think they respect each other and like they have a similar perspective on on things i guess to a certain extent. Okay, and you also you also brought me back to what I was thinking earlier, which is uh, you saying that you're not that much of a songwriter. What I loved about working with you and John together was that um, 
you guys seem, it just feels like you tackle a song, like very complimentary. I think that's why you guys have such a good like flow because you can both do, you know, this, the stuff like, it just felt like, you know, you were like so fucking fast, like, um, uh, building out a drum part, you know, and like, and like programming something while he would like, uh, come up with melodies and it, and, and he's really easy for me to work with because, um, he kind of gets the flow going. Like John will like the, the no stupid ideas. It really feels that way with you guys. Um, cause he'll like start things off so often. I feel very comfortable working in that way. And then like, you will often fill in the blanks when he and I get stuck together. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'll try, you know, I'll throw, I, and that's like the, where I will do stuff with songwriters. Like, like, I'm, I think I'm a, like a pretty rhythmic person and like, I really, really love drums a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I love programming them. I programming them. I take a lot of time with them. Um, same thing with bass. Like that's generally how me and John work is like, I will usually tackle the rhythm section and then he has the heavier hand in songwriting and composition. Um, and then I'll end up, and I end up mixing it at the end. Um, but like we all like, we kind of tackle like, like where he's great um like i don't really have to like put any effort into it and then like what i'm good at like he can kind of just take the back seat and let me do uh do my thing and there's just like especially like over the years there this mutual respect has grown even more where we kind of just trust each other to like do what the other one is good at you know like yeah like i'm not gonna like if john says like something like as far as in like a song is good and i think you probably experienced this maybe i had a different like idea but if he's like, if he's like certain that he's like, no, this is good. I'm like, cool, man. Like, you're probably right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I did. I did experience it. It felt a lot of times like if there was something where you're like, I don't, I'm not sure about this. You would prod a couple times, but then it eventually let it go. Uh, and like for me, I've, you know, worked with you for so much longer than working with him. He was just, you know, around and we became buddies cause you know, y'all are brothers, but, uh, it was like you being a fifth member of our band, helping us get to the finish line. And, you know, it'd be a lot of like, when I wasn't sure about lines, I would come out and like ask everybody. I remember specifically like rearrange. It was like the day we were recording rearrange. And no, still, still my favorite song I've ever done for you. <laughs> I don't know if that'll ever change. I love, I love that song. Well, I don't know if you've seen our artist profile right now, but it's like been our top trending song for like almost a year now. It's like doing great now. Such a vibe. Um, and, uh, and that was so like, well, first of all, we had the good fortune of like, I wasn't confident in that song and Chris was, and he forced us to like start recording it. That's so but, crazy. And <laughs> I, didn't, right. I, didn't, I, I didn't, I didn't know that about you. I thought, I thought this was like your song. You just like came out swinging or just, cause I, that's like how it came off to me. Right. Well, know? no, I, I loved it. I loved it, but I didn't feel like it fit the album because the album was so much um, rocky. And it, I guess. it ended up being like the perfect closer. It was. Yeah. And, uh, and I wasn't sure about the lyrics on that one. And I kept popping out and, ha- and like having you guys all discuss and like, you kind of did the same thing where you'd be like, Nope, that one's, you know, better than the other one. It was just like a discernment thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was such a fun day too, because we didn't have a finished song and I felt like we were able to build something up from, from the ground up, which might be like, not only do we like the song, but it also has like an emotional investment that it didn't feel like we were on a clock with the rest of them. You know, like the other ones you and Matt recorded in a sweaty garage, all the drums in like three hours. That was awesome. That was, that was awesome. Actually. I mean, a lot of shit, but yeah, that was, uh, that, that was really cool. And actually what was cool about that is as far as drums go for that, we didn't really get like, we didn't, the song wasn't really done. So I just got him playing like some toms yeah, and like some cymbals. And then we kind of just pieced it together. Um, 
like kind of like which is a very like modern thing to do like yeah. almost like what he did is like loops essentially and then yeah basically like, yeah that makes sense you know figure out like where like you know where they should go mm. uh, i think one of my favorite things actually in like producing that song was you gave me a ton a ton of ad-libs and melodies yes at the end of it and I remember uh, just whenever, whenever I was going back and, and, and like, you know, take like piecing together vocal takes, that was super fun to grab melodies from different parts. Like maybe you sang the, mel- the like uh, an ad lib melody four bars later, but grabbing that ad lib and moving it up to another spot because it just fit really well. And there was another part in that comp where uh, I like joined together two totally different melodies and I like crossfaded them together to make like a new melody. So it was just like really, it was like really fun to just like chop up like all the takes that you gave me to figure out like, to really get, you know, um, what I think is like a really cool um, vocal take. Oh, you didn't, you did an amazing job on that outro because that, and for me too, that was the most fun thing because that was like the closest I got to do to some diva shit. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, you're going off. I mean, like how many, you know, indie pop songs do you actually get to like really riff? You know what I mean? Because I really got to do that. And um, and you just don't have that space a lot of times. Everything else is so tight and so like rock and roll. It's just not cool to to like pop sing that shit, you know? Yeah, you don't. And I think, um, yeah, like, like kind of like what you're saying is like it can come off as like, it can kind of be like corny. Yeah. Um, but however it worked out I, I don't i don't think it comes across like that at all it almost seems like it was written yeah it really does it, f- it feels like that was the initial plan yeah it almost feels like you came in with that melody and and now that's how i sing it live like i i pick the ones that are like mixed the highest and you know chris and colin sing the 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 melody and i do all the runs on top of it now yeah it's so yeah fun. It's such, a, such a fun song to work with um banjo like, was super fun to track i remember i think i did a weird miking setup i think i had like a microphone over your shoulder or something going on i think i had one farther back in the room yeah, like, yeah you had a close one and a really far one and we did we also did like we did harmonies in the hall i think i think you're yeah yeah, yeah. oh we definitely did yeah i think it was at my like old apartment in west hollywood I think. yeah right? it definitely was yeah um <laughs> i don't know it's just a lot of good memories there and then like you know another thing on that record was like this we're talking wrong kind of dance party like Matt still to this day is like, I know I, that was the first take I did of none of my business. Like he was so cra- proud that he got Nanya done in one take. <laughs> oh yeah. Shit. I think it, it, it literally was one take. Max I two. We, I think we might've gotten a second one just for safety, but I think after he did the same, I was like, I was like, dude, we're good. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of his biggest points of pride. Cause he was like, I was so fucking sweaty. I'm going to tell him like, just, just if I was going to be like, dude, that was actually this take. <laughs> no, that would destroy him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna let him listen to this episode. Keep <laughs> this out. Make a different version of him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Two different RSS feeds. He'll be fine. Um, okay. So around that time was like the last of you guys doing Somerset stuff. Uh, ultimately, do you feel like it was just like a growing apart thing? Do you think it was like egos, or do you think people just needed to like do their own stuff? I think everyone kind of needed to do their own thing. I think I think um, and that that is something that I I think I realized uh, retrospectively. I think at the time where everything came to an end, I was super, super angry. Uh, and I carried that with me for a, a long time. Um, but it really ended up being such a good thing um, for myself and John. And I think, and I think all of us, 
because our identity for so long had been wrapped up. I mean, since we were fucking, I've been in that band since I was a senior in high school, you know? Um, yeah. For so long, like my identity was solely based around that. And at first, like when that, when that gets taken away from you, I mean, that fucks with you. I was angry. Like I felt like a part of me kind of died, <laughs> you know? It was, yeah, very, it was very much like mourning, like it was like mourning a death. Well, dude, there's this thing you like walk around when you're in a band that people like you walk around and you kind of, I don't want to say this in a conceited way. I kind of mean it in a way where you're just like, oh yeah, I have this like thing outside of me that is really, really special. Like, I don't know that you really love and believe in. So to lose that, I don't know. I couldn't even imagine. Go ahead. Sorry. It's kind of this thing. It's like, I do this thing that not everyone does. Right. Which that sounds really conceited. I don't know if I necessarily always thought of it that way, but I definitely think I thought of it from a perspective of like, I do this thing that not everyone does. And that's, that's special. No, I, I really, I do like, I hear the conceit in it because I also share it because it's this thing where you're like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Uh, besides just like, just it's, it's like you love music so much and you finally like crack the code on the thing that you've been obsessed with in some capacity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you always dream of like getting to a certain point or going on tour. Like when I was in high school, I was just, all I ever wanted to do was like buy a 15 passenger van and go on tour. Wasn't and it I the didn't... funniest like perspective too? like the first couple people you knew that hit the road? Oh yeah. I mean, there I remember, gods. Oh yeah. I remember opening shows for band touring, like playing to, you know, a hundred or less people a night, but like my, my local band in high school would open for them. And these dudes would come through and they were probably in their early twenties, you know, super young guys. And they'd come through and I'd be like, these guys are like the coolest people, you know, they, they drove 12 hours overnight from El Paso to play to a hundred people. Like what could be better? Right. You know? Um, and that, and there's like this sense, there's a sense of innocence that comes with that, that I oftentimes miss because I can, I very much attribute that to a certain time in my life. And it felt so just like the world was full of this like wonder, you know, of like going yeah. on tour, like stars in your eyes kind of thing. Totally. Um, and I miss that. And then, and then I wake up and like, I'm 31 and I'm like, I would never want to do that. <laughs> yeah, it's full. It's full, almost famous. Like, <laughs> Oh yeah. Are you talking about like the scene where he comes home, like at the end of it? Oh, well, I, I mean, I mean all of it, the whole movie is like the perfect, you know, encapsulation of that feeling. I always felt like that scene though, when he comes home and he just like throws the bag. Yeah. That was me. Like every van tour we did, that's how I felt. <laughs> yeah. Oh dude. When, when we get home from the road, we unpack the stuff in silence and we all go straight to our rooms and slam the doors and don't come out unless it's for food for the next week. <laughs> you, and you have to, you have to take that time to kind of recharge. I think one thing that's hard for me on tour is like, I, um, I need I need that time alone to like recharge my social batteries because like I only have so much and then I yeah. need to go charge and be alone. And it's hard being on tour because you're kind of always around people and you always have to be like on and it gets Dude, exhausting. When my my earbuds broke at one part on the tour oh, and, God. <laughs> and and that was like the most like difficult day for me. I needed walls so bad and all you have are earbuds and i like needed to find a walmart you know <laughs> oh yeah dude well i often like like just to kind of escape like it makes this is gonna make it sound like i hate being around people i don't i just like i just need that time to like reset but on tour like you know everyone will be like we're all going to eat this restaurant i'll be like i'm not going i'm gonna go 
to this sushi place by myself because I just need some alone time. For sure. <laughs> and also some of that alone time is because like everybody's going to a place that you just don't want to go to because if it were a regular day at home, you would have eaten at that sushi place by yourself. You know what I mean? Or whatever. Yeah, like I would have done that anyways. It's like, I'm going to do what I want to do because like so much of being on tour is like, I don't want, it's not doing things you don't want to do, but you're, you're subject to like, there's a schedule, you know, like you have to be places at certain times and you don't have an option. There's no like, Oh, I'm just not going to do that. So like any chance you get to make a decision that's your own, it's like nice to just make your own decision. You know, there was such a funny thing. Like the first few times we hit the road, we were all so good at being together, being hella gung ho about it. Like I would document it and I would like make a list of pros and cons of every day. And we were so into it. And then like the last two times we hit the road, we like grew up with everybody. And it's almost kind of sad too, because I remember like, it is sad. The other bands we were on the road with were like, Oh, that's cute that you guys are like, together so much and blah 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 right but we we were like didn't even understand why that was cute and then you grow up like however much you grow up in like what the three months between you going out once and going out a second time (laughs) yeah and dude i mean then you get into like years and years i toured for like i've toured for like a decade plus god see but i'm still jealous (laughs) you know but like i got i started getting to a point on this last tour where like you know, it wasn't out of a place of like being like not like hating anyone or being pissed where I'd put a show and be like, I'd help pack up and I'd be like, Hey, like, I'm going to like, I'm going to go check in the hotel and I just watch ridiculousness, you know, <laughs> TV, like a marathon all night. And you need one of those shows that feels like candy too, like Billy on the street or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just something, just something mindless, you know, <laughs> exactly. Um, but like, I would need that because I did, you know, from being on the road, I got used to like, these are my work hours and after work, like I decompress, you know, like be, or being in the studio, you know, like that's what it was. Like I work, you know, like six to eight hour a day and I'm just going to go chill out and turn my brain off for a while. And uh, like when I f- toured before that, it was just like, play the show, fucking party. Party. Um, and like, I got like, now I just, I'm, you know, I'm in my thirties now. So it's different where I'm like, play like sometimes I'm like, play the show, let's party. Like if we're in a cool city, I'm like, fuck yeah. Like, let's go, you know, kick it and, in new york or chicago or whatever but like if it's like oh we just played in lincoln nebraska it's like cool i'm gonna play the show and go fucking watch mtv for yeah yeah i mean you know i was ready for us to get old quickly in this last run because chris also uh became sober so i wouldn't have been the only sober person like not partying and colin already does what you do which is like the perfect balance of like uh, like partying in a city and then like taking it easy until we get to the next city that he wants to go to, or like the next city where he has friends that he wants to go out with. You know what I mean? Like exactly my approach now, like it yeah. used to be like every night, like just fucking go hard. Mm-hmm. Now it's like, I want to save myself for like, I have friends. Yeah. Exactly what you said. I have friends yeah. here. The cool place, not just doing it just to fucking do it. Yeah. Because there's, because there's both opinions. There's we're in the best place. We have to go crazy. And then there's like, we're nowhere. We have to go crazy so we can get to tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And also um, like when you're younger, it's just easier to do that. kind of. That's shit. true. Um, but, uh, okay. So then here's, here's the big thing that I saw with, with you guys making twin Excel. Cause it was so exciting. We, you know, we've been buds through the whole thing. And I remember you showing us I think it must have been like almost the last mix of those Twin XL songs. I don't know. I guess one, tell me a little bit about you guys finding Cam. I'm guessing it might have been through working with Position and then eventually realizing that like these songs could be the perfect marriage of like trying to do sync stuff and your own band. Um, but 
also the uh, the thing that I love is like you guys had no missed steps. You came out and you like you had such a definitive goal of like we are going to do the indie band thing right because we all have had the experience and are going to figure it out. And it, it, like you just built the band so quickly um, and effectively. And it was really well curated. Thank you. Yeah, I think I can. I think we all can attribute a lot of that to the fact that we had been in bands for a decade before, mm-hmm. and like our missteps. Well, my dog's shaking. Hey, dog. What's up, bro? Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm gonna take your call. That's off. okay. It's cute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think our missteps were, you know, in those bands, and they were they were much more public. Right. right? The missteps were public. So, like when we got to this point, I guess we were, we were just a little more intentional with everything that we did. Um, as far as like Cam, I meaning Cam goes, we actually met Cam back in like 2008. He was in a band from, uh, they were, they were from Wisconsin. Um, and he, his band was, I think opening, or maybe we were opening for, we, we opened for them in their hometown and that's we initially met him. And then he also used to tour and play, uh, bass and guitar in, uh, the ready set. So we also knew him from uh, that. And we started writing with him because we knew that we knew that he wrote uh, for other people. He wrote, you know, sync and, and also for other artists and, and bands and stuff. And we just got set up, like didn't get set up, but we were at a party one time. And we were like, hey, we should let's do something together. And that's like kind of how it started. We did some sync songs under a different uh, name uh, for a little while. And then Twin XL kind of started. Um, I guess it was like 2000 and like end of 2017 or 18, we started putting those songs together. Um, and yeah, like those songs totally started off as just like, Oh, we're, we're going to give these to position, you know, our publisher and uh, we're going to sync them, you know, and, and it kind of, you know, the, the first EP there's, I think there's like a handful of songs that you, you can tell that that was definitely the intention. But as we started getting farther along in the process, we started thinking about it more from an artist's perspective. Uh, still, like, wanted to write, like, super catchy songs, but, like, we started thinking about it, like, from a, like, we wanted it to be a little bit cooler than some of the stuff that we did. And some of that stuff didn't even actually end up, you know, coming out. But you first. can hear that. I mean, you know, there's definitely songs like Good and Sunglasses that feel yeah, like, you know, they're made for, for like, commercial success, right? But then, you know, especially Melt and Messy feel like, oh, you guys are doing exactly what you want to do. And it's catchy as fuck, too. Yeah. That, so, yeah. And like, actually, we have a song coming out tonight at midnight, um, which is, you know, I know this won't be out. Yeah. <laughs> before that. What's it called? Uh, uh, Problematic. Okay, well, I'm going to uh, we'll send it to me so I can feature it on this episode. Oh, tight. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Ever since, like, we got past some of, like, the, the first stuff we did, we, we kind of just, like, you know, taking a, um, a, a, not, a, not a different, I mean, a different approach. Yeah. We, I think more like lyrically, we've, we've tried to be more, uh, pointed and a little more interesting. Um, not as, um, I don't want to say service level, but just, just a little more intentional with our lyric, um, you know, melodically and stuff like we still like stuff to be really hooky and, and all that. that I don't think that's ever going to change. I think that's just something that's in our DNA. That's your taste. Yeah, that's your t- and, and even like actually even a band like you guys like like I think you guys are a little more like uh definitely like a lot more raw of a band but like at the end of, at the end of the day like your guys are your guys are still writing pop songs yeah we still consider it pop songs even if it's like you know instead of doing like a bridge and going back to the chorus we'll do a lot of have you as you know we'll do a lot of like spinning outros and songs like parachute and and uh, yeah 
pitchfork super, and stuff. Yeah. That's kind of actually what we did in in that song Messy. It kind of just we yeah. did like a big build and we were just like and then the actual version, like the extended version came out, it's like this totally alternate like vocal melody with a like god of tune and like you know vocoders and shit. I dig the extended version a lot more, by the way. I prefer that one. Yeah, I yeah, it, that was a label thing. They you just gotta like, do it to satisfy, right? Uh, with the single version they're like no one's gonna listen to it if it you know goes on forever and mm-hmm. i was like whatever you guys put out as long as you put out the <laughs> actual version i don't care yeah i i've talked about it a bunch but we have um our next single whenever we decide to release it because we obviously postponed it during this whole thing and it's tough to know what you got right now <laughs> it just doesn't feel appropriate you know yeah and we're you know i'm happy you guys are putting something out but we definitely like have had a bunch of conversations where we kept pushing things and we kept deciding like right now it just doesn't like feel like this is a song we believe in and it and it's re it's pretty long and it really changes and it's a song we really like and believe in and it it just feels like it'd be a waste to to drop it right now because yeah when when you when there's no tour booked on the horizon i think a lot of especially smaller bands like you know, my band and, and, and your band, you rely on touring to prop up a release. Yeah. And if it almost feels like that's a good word, like you said, it was like, it almost feels wasted if you can't like simultaneously push a song or an, an EP or an album or whatever with touring. Cause yeah, that's that discernment between like, you know, artfulness and considering your songs to be a product because you kind of do need to consider them to be a product, you know? Yeah. But I, and I think like also, although I, I no, I, I totally agree. And I think also you are kind of are doing your songs a disservice if you can't like, like connect with people in person. I think that's so much like such an important part of this all. Right. That's not even like so much looking at it as a, well, I guess maybe it is looking at it as a product, but like, I don't know, songs are like just bands in, in general and music in general is so much more impactful when it's like this tangible thing that's right in front of you. Yeah. You know, cause, cause with, with like, like a show, like there's so much commitment to go to a show. You have to like, maybe you have to leave work early and you, know, you have to, you have to drive there or maybe you're taking Uber there. And like, you have a plan to meet up with your friends. Like, like a song that comes out on the internet, it's just like, cool. All I do is click on it, listen to it. And if I don't like it, I just skip over it. Yeah. And also, you know? also this new song, the crux of it, dude, is about life on the road. Who's going to give a fuck right now about, you know? Yeah. You guys might have to put it out before you know, touring comes back. I mean, shit. yeah i know it's just funny it's like it's like okay this song's about like you know it's basically about missing home when you're on the road and missing the road when you're home that's like which is like totally thing yeah (laughs) yeah but it feels like okay well only one of those is true right now (laughs) you know (laughs) yeah there's no missing home right now i'm I'm getting stir crazy um you know like just like i went up north a few weeks ago in arizona here just just for a change of scenery and um thinking about doing that same thing again you know in the next in the coming months just because like i've been home enough (laughs) i don't need to be home anymore ever again yeah (laughs) yeah dude but how much do you think the homebodies when this whole thing opens up are just going to be like okay cool now we can go anywhere and like three weeks is going to go by and they're going to go to all the parties and they're just going to be like okay well god you might be i think i liked it like this you might be talking (laughs) about me honestly (laughs) No, there's things I miss for sure. Uh, I think yeah. when when the world first comes back, I think we're all gonna like go through like like a phase of like like fuck it in a different way. Like the, not the original fuck it of when this all happened. We're gonna go through a different fuck it of like fuck it. I'm going to this concert. I'm going to this event. 
I'm going out on a Tuesday with my friends. Like I'm doing everything. Uh, I was on that tear while this was happening, by the way, I was going through my own, like I wasn't home a single night oh, in shit because I was trying to go everywhere before we left for the road. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was trying to see everybody and like go to all these shows before we left for the road. And then, and then, and then, because, you know, I just hadn't done that. Like the other few times we've left, I've been like mostly soaking up home and I, I didn't really feel like that this time. I get that. You know? Uh, but yeah, anyway, so, so you know, the twin XL stuff. I just think it's so great how, yeah, you guys have clearly been, you know, you've always had goals and like, you're very smart about which venues you want to play, what like, you know, type of shows, like everything felt like you guys did what a lot of bands like in five years would do. And you just truncated it down to like one or two. And I think that's like, I don't know. It's just very admirable. It's really, it was really awesome to watch. Yeah. I, well, thank you. I appreciate that. I think, um, I think a lot of it was, you know, having done it for so long, like with other bands, like I said earlier, and and, and mm-hmm. like kind of remembering the missteps you took and, tr- and 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 being, you know, conscious of trying to not take them. And I think also, totally, I think also that we've brought that into the creative process. I think when you're young, like young, 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 and, and I think maybe even you guys have have probably changed over the years. There's a lot more ego in the creative process. Yeah, and as you get older, you, you start to kind of know when to like pick your battles, and you start to know what yeah. what you know is important, what's not important. Um, I think that's just something that comes with age. Uh, totally, we got we got ego stuff. You know, we got multiple lead songwriters and singers, so like that. And, and similar with with you know with John and Cam, they're both super great songwriters. Um, you know, Cam just sings all the songs, but they're both really good, and they somehow like I don't it like they somehow like work together and respect each other. Like, you know, there's no like Lennon McCartney shit. Um, That's so special dude going on. And then I'm just sitting there being like, Oh, I don't know. These drums sound cool. Um, <laughs> You're like, I finished my uh, rhythm section like two days ago. So you guys let me know what's going on. I'll just like sit, be sitting there and you know, just waiting for the next chance that I get to do something. Just scrolling. I, about, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to do so much less of that these days. I've like set time limits on my phone. It's, Dude, I like don't even want to look at my phone. The only thing I do on my phone now is crossword puzzles. It's crazy. I might need to get into crossword puzzles. That sounds kind of nice. It's pretty good, man. <laughs> uh, just get the New York Times one. It's it's Ooh, yeah. It's bad for you in a different way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good. I think that's a good bad for you that I might need right now. Maybe eventually I'll have to give that up too. But but yeah. So I'll, I'll, okay, well, sorry, tell me a little bit more about this new single. This song's cool um, because we. So I actually like came up with like the whole like well mo- a lot of the drum group on tour last uh summer we played a festival in philadelphia uh with the silver sun pickups which was very cool so sick so cool and it was it was probably the hottest show i've ever played i've played i've done warp tour on like four summers but this show in philadelphia <laughs> was the hottest show i've ever played that's the weirdest city to have the hottest it show. It's fucking miserable. And it wasn't, it, it was like probably 95 out, but it was like 95% humidity as well. Oh God. And, uh, it, it dude, it was, it's, it felt, oh, it was just, it was just so, I was just soaked. Just, just got into the van and I don't know what compelled me to actually like pull out my laptop and start like programming something because I would, I was like so miserable. You would think that I would just want to sit there on my phone and soak up the air. You were high, dude. You were delirious. I, I do. It must have been. There must have been some delirium that came with with the heat stroke that I was experiencing. Yeah. Um, 
And so I started programming these drums and like, I kind of finished it. Like I kind of like had a verse template laid out and a chorus one. And I was like, Oh cool. I'm like done. Like I finished it in like an hour. And then Whoa. we were on tour with uh, lovely, the band last September. And we had four or five days off in Des Moines, Iowa, which Des Moines is fucking awesome. Just want Des Moines rips, dude. I just want to just show, like say like if anyone out there's listening, I fucking love Des Moines. And I don't like, I don't like the idea that Des Moines is getting any bad raps because we've also had a couple of days off in Des Moines and it's so fun. And you guys went to what? What's the what's the arcade bar there? Uh, up down, up down, right next to Woolies, which is a great venue as well. Yeah, dude, and they have uh, they got a great burger place called Zombie Burger. I love Des Moines. Yeah, dude, Des Moines is Des Moines goes hard. So we um we we rented an Airbnb in the middle of downtown Des Moines, which it sounds like funny saying downtown Des Moines, but there's a downtown (laughs) and uh, we I brought like a little road studio in a pelican case Mm -hmm. and like the first day we were there to 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 write some songs um I was like I don't know I was like I made this drum beat in July like if you guys want to like try to write over it and dude like it came together so quickly that's Uh, so exciting like that whole like a lot of even a lot of even the composition of that song were things that we tracked on like a very 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 small midi keyboard um, in this apartment in Des Moines and like there's some vocal samples and stuff that like were like an original melody that didn't end up making the cut for like the song but we ended up using them like it, as like almost like an instrument in the song and it, dude like I think we wrote it like God, maybe like in like an hour or th- like no more than three hours the song was done like drums programmed in a moving van somewhere on the east coast like a lot of <laughs> The keys and like the MIDI stuff was done at an Airbnb in Des Moines. And then we've wrapped it up between LA and Phoenix. So like it's been recorded in like four different places. That's honestly so great. Okay, wait, uh, if, the, if I have any aspiring engineers, I think you should just drop a little line about what your road setup looks like. If you just like, you know, bare bones, if you, if you just want to be recording stuff wherever you yeah. are. It's super simple. It's like an, an Akai LPK 25, like a tiny little MIDI keyboard, very small. Uh, an SM7B um, and a Focusrite like solo. That's all it was. That's great. Um, and then like I got these like they're not even actually little monitors. Like I would never mix on them, but they're like <laughs> tiny like three inch powered monitors that sound like pretty good. That's really funny. Yeah, they're just good to play back just for people to, like vibe. Be like, oh yeah, that's a cool vibe. They get kind of loud, you know. Um, I think. Yeah, that's it. And then like whatever guitars and basses we have with us. That's that's great, man. I think uh, I don't know. I think it's just always good to be like. I, I'm always curious what people's like tiny setup is because because um, you know for some people that's what you're gonna start with and like hopefully get get decent on you know. And and you can do so much with with yeah, that. You, you really know? can. You can you can make problematic. <laughs> yeah, and I hopefully people like it. I think I'm, I'm super proud of it. So uh, I also want to talk to you a little bit about so review of the the last 1975 record because i think we only had one text exchange which was me texting you that i'm concerned that a bunch of indie bands are going to start rapping now yeah or making like like house tracks yeah house tracks that's the real problem (laughs) i i so uh there's like i mean there's actually a good amount of songs that i like on it it's just so long yeah me i uh mad texted me and i said they could cut an album and have a perfect album yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. Like, I'm not super into like any of the like housey, like almost like instrumental with like formatted vocal things. There's it's not really my vibe. Right, just, just never been something that I've ever been interested in. 
But like, I'm looking at the track listing right now, and like one, twenty two, I think. Two, three. Yeah, I'm counting the ones I like. Three, mm-hmm. four. Like, like I, I really like like ten or eleven of the songs. Right. Exactly. That's an entire album you need to cut. <laughs> I think they made a great album. There's just. And I like I'm definitely not like talking shit on on them. I love this band. They're they're like my they're my favorite like more recent band. No, that's don't worry. We've we've been over and also like they're the holy grail if you're in an indie band. And if you're not admitting that the 1975 is your favorite band, you're a liar. If you're also singing, they're just so fucking sick. Like dude, I, like we played a festival with them in Tampa in the fall. So exciting. And I totally didn't even like I I didn't like cool like i wasn't like the cool guy like i went in the fucking pit i drank so much beer i was like in there totally fucking rocking out singing along to everything because like i fucking love this band like i didn't even care that like like we just played like a festival show with them i was like i'm i'm not too cool like i'm gonna fucking i'm gonna be a fan yeah totally i think and the other thing too is like all the housey uh all that all that stuff that we're talking about like it's it's cool that it exists because they um it seems like their mission on this record was to break genre more than anything. Yeah. And it wasn't Def- and it wasn't necessarily to give us like the stuff that we love, but there was enough in there that I loved that it that it honestly didn't matter. You know, like you could be satisfied with, you know, the songs that are like pop songs. Yeah. And there's some of them like that I really like I think are fucking like I I, I think the birthday party is a really fucking cool song. The songwriting in that one is so interesting like Yeah just the way phrases and rhymes and stuff fall. I think it's like really, like really fucking interesting, especially when you read the lyrics out. Um, you know, other songs like, like I, Tonight I Wish I Was Your Boy, I think that's like a really cool, like, you know, twisted kind of pop, you know, indie pop track. Nothing yeah. Revealed Everything Tonight. Like, I love that gospel choir soulful Same. shit. Those two are just two like of my favorites. Um, like, those, like, that's like the reason why I fell in love with those first three Kanye records. I just love like gospel-y, soulful hip-hop. And I, I love that they did that. As far as like the housey stuff goes, like it just kind of drones on for me. And that's not so much like like a reflection uh, like on like not liking like them. It's just, I don't like stuff like that in general. So like even like one of my favorite bands doing it wasn't going to make me like it. Yeah, that's the thing is like if I want that stuff, I'll usually listen to Radiohead and and that's, you know, when I'm in the mood. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we all, we, we uh, different bands for different reasons. Yeah, know? exactly. That's true too. You, you want to go to different wells because... I guess that's why people always like, you know, will abandon out bands if like they deviate too much on a second or third record, you know? Like I don't want to hear a happy Damien Rice song. Like <laughs> that sounds terrible, you know? <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I got my little lightning round, so you, I'm gonna go through the questions I ask everybody. Okay. I'll try to be. I'll try to be quick. Don't worry about being quick. I I just say lightning round because it's like I repeat them, you know. Okay. okay. <laughs> so uh, can you think of the best show you've ever played? Um. You know, I actually think it was a Somerset show. Um, we played uh, in, I think it was 2014 in London. We sold out the O2 Academy Islington. Oh my God. Dude, it was just, uh, I, I still think it was just, it was just electric, man. There was something, there's something about touring over there. I think British crowds are just better. They just like, no offense to America, but like actually all offense to America. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I don't know. They're, they're, they seem to be a little more present. Maybe they're just more drunk. Um, also possible. They, they, they just live music. I think is more important to them. 
for some reason, like culturally, you know? Yeah. Well, about like uh, two months before I met you, I was like, I was abroad um, mm-hmm. in in Oxford and I would busk every weekend and I had better crowds busking than most of the shows we had as a band at that point. You know, it was crazy. I, I that's my favorite place to play in the world. And I really hope that I play there with one XL someday. Yeah, man, dude, that would be amazing. Oh, I can't believe you. Oh, two. That's fucking crazy. Islington. You said, yeah, Islington. Okay. Islington. Too. Yeah. Um, what about worst show? Oh, worst show. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> oh, you know, it's so funny when, war, when, when terrible shows happen, they, they just, they really like eat at you like immediately after, but eventually you, you, you do forget them. Um, for us, we tend to not forget them, but maybe like it becomes a joke eventually. Like we're happy about it. Yeah. And I think comedically, I'm trying to think of my worst show. Uh, I played, oh man, I played a show on Warp Tour in Denver. It was a huge crowd and, like there, I just, ha- I'm just, uh, I like, mm, I like really pride myself in like everything, like technically going off without a hitch. Right. And like, I didn't have my bass for like, like three songs during a six song set. And like, you get to that point, you're like, God damn it. Like, I'm like, you wait all day for that 30 minutes to play. And when half of it, like you're not even there, it just sucks. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. There, yeah, there was a time at Warped Tour in Denver, I think it was 2014, that, that, or maybe it was 2016. It was 2016, actually. That sucked. And I had a similar situation one time at a show in Philadelphia where, like, there was just some technical shit. And I get so, I get pissed about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, Chris, Chris had a really tough one of those in San Diego one time where he, where it was actually uh, sad because my mix was super chill. And his, he was like, I have, n- I have nothing. And, and, and all he was getting was like, when I would stand on his side of the room, it sounded like cone filtering, like crazy and shit. It was crazy. It's hard to play past it. I, I compliments to anyone who is better at putting on like a happy face during that <laughs> shit. Not one of those people. <laughs> yeah, it's that shit's tough. Also, Denver is just a tough city. I, I love Denver. We've played like, I want to say it's one of the cities we played the majority of our out of town shows in with a lot of luck. But but the oh, man, we had one one crazy drunken experience there with uh with an audience member who was not super respectful to uh female artists oh we didn't have that but we had like two drunk dudes like getting a fist fight (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it can be tough but but you know whatever that stuff happens everywhere i really i i always feel like bad i feel like i need to like put a caveat with that question it's only there because anybody listening who's playing music needs to know that we've all been through nightmare shows all of us oh we've been yeah i mean they can get better about dealing with them the more you do them, but they're still never fun. No. Um, okay. So I just want to hear that, uh, like the biggest or, or a lesson you've learned about these different things. So what's the biggest lesson you learned about, um, producing? Definitely. Uh, I said this earlier, but like, keep it simple. Like sometimes I think early on you watch these videos of these people doing all this parallel processing and like these crazy plugin chains and they're just, it just looks like they're doing like so much shit. The thing that I found is really to like, keep it easy like cut out bad frequencies cut out bad shit um you know tighten it up a bit um and then make sure like everything that you have in the arrangement has a place make sure you're not just like putting it in there just to just to do it right 
Yeah, I think I've you're you're pretty quick to be like, okay, we'll get it down, but like, let's mute it and hide it so that like it's out of sight, out of mind. And a lo- most of the time, when it's something that we're on the fence about, it doesn't make it into the song, you know? Yeah, because sometimes it, it goes back to simplicity. Sometimes it's just better to let things breathe. What about mixing? Subtractive EQ is everything. Um, cutting out bad frequencies and frequencies that don't need to be there um, is the most important thing I think you can do in mixing. You know, as far as like low end goes, like I don't let anything sit below 90 hertz other than my bass guitar and my kick drum. That's like, I don't need anything else down there, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah, I think high pass filters, subtractive EQ, like if I had one tool to do a mix, it would be, it would be just, it, just a seven band EQ. Right. And I think I can make like a decent, a decent mix just, just with just with cutting frequencies, not even adding frequencies. Right. It sounds like there's a lot to, to gain from, from taking things out. Everybody thinks you need to amplify all the time. Oh, take, take everything out. <laughs> Barely add anything. That's my, that's my, you know, other, maybe other mixers have a different perspective, but oh, I love that. I, that's my thing. Uh, biggest lesson about uh, writing. Um, if John thinks it's good, it's probably, it's probably good. <laughs> <laughs> trust, trust your, uh, trust your coworkers. How's that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That's actually a really good way to put it. Like, yeah. tr- like trust other people. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, what about being in a band? Uh, I think we kind of talked about it earlier, but um, it's important to like, let the ego die mm-hmm. a little bit. And, you know, if, someone else in your band has um a strength like let them let them uh let them let them show it you know give them the opportunity to showcase their strengths um because they'll have some answers to the questions that you don't have and oftentimes they're really great answers i think that's right man i think that um I mean, you, it's funny cause you know, you produce somebody, you, you have a, you have a more intimate relationship with like who they are as a band. So like, you really know my band, like, you know what I mean? As the, as the entity of us together. Mm-hmm, definitely. And, uh, and like we all have our thing and, and I think, um, the people who bring the song often have so many preconceived notions about what it should sound like. But a lot of times when I let, um, Colin or Matt, take the reins on something if me and chris kind of formed it together earlier it's always better you know it's like it's like it's good to have like a fresh it's good to have fresh ears on things totally yeah um all right what about biggest lesson about touring i think i think it uh we kind of talked about earlier was like make time for yourself Mm -hmm. take care of yourself you don't have to be on you don't always have to be out you don't always have to be socializing you don't always have to you know just take yeah take that time that like you would normally have to yourself, you know, during the day, because that's how re- normal life is. Right. <laughs> and uh, don't be afraid to do that on tour as well. Sweet. That's all my questions, dude. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. It's been, it's actually been a really fun, super easy yeah. conversation. I like making records with you guys. Yeah, man. I love, I love making records with you. I'm, uh, I love you and I miss you and, and I'm happy that you're happy over there, but I'm sad that I won't see you as often. Love you too, man. I miss you. Yeah, I'll be back whenever the world is not crazy again. I will be out in LA every yeah. month. So oh, nice. we will definitely hang out. Cool. All right. Sweet. Talk soon, bud. All right. That was fun. That was my conversation with Steven Gomez from Twin XL. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I loved it. 
just another episode where we talk about the 1975 and Connor Oberst the entire time. Uh, I appreciate you listening. Uh, come back next week for a brand new episode of Direct Support all over again. Um, if you know those guys, I mean, send them my way. I don't know. It'd be pretty cool or whatever. 